0: Hello, thank you for downloading this Downtown Hope Sermon podcast. We're a faith-based community in the city of Annapolis, Maryland, orienting our lives around Jesus and exists to see the people of our city, region, and world thrive with the hope found in His gospel. Now, please enjoy the sermon podcast. Hope everybody is doing well. Uh, it is officially, the, I guess they call it the unofficial start of the summer season. Uh, The pools are open. Any swimmers? Well, no, you're a swimmer. Uh, Any else? (laughs) Any other swimmers? Like getting ready? Is anybody ready? Beach ready? I hope so. (laughs) Uh, As you know, uh, summer season it kicked off here for sure in Annapolis. Uh, This week was commissioning week. And so our brothers and sisters over at the Naval Academy celebrated that. The Blue Angels flew by. And so we're in that season of a celebration, if you will. We're in that season of a graduations. And I know when it comes time to graduations, it's a very a momentous occasion. And you have people uh, from family coming into town to join and celebrate. Uh, you have grandpas and grandmas. You got just the whole family coming together. Um, and, and what I love about these things, like cookouts, when you get together with cookouts, family and friends, you have just the generations gathered. You have the old and you have the young. And in, those, in that room in that, there's stories. And those stories are just fun to hear and fun to share. And what we have in Titus chapter two is a picture being painted of the opportunities that we have, as a family, the family of God, to take advantage of the generations that are present, whether old, young, uh, men or women, God is at work forming a community uh, for the betterment of the society we live in. So I want to read Titus chapter two. We're in our series, Dear Church. We've been walking through some of the letters Paul has written. And right now we are in the pris- prison epistles. Last time we gathered uh, prior to Titus, we are in Titus. Next week, we'll close out Titus, and then we'll continue in this series. Dear Church, where Paul is writing letters to encourage the church, and our prayers that these letters would be an encouragement to you. And so I want to read Titus chapter 2, 1 to 15, and it reads as follows. It's on the screen behind. It says, but as for you, teach what accords with sound doctrine. Older men are to be sober-minded, dignified, self-controlled, Show yourself in all respects to be a model of good works. And in your teaching, show integrity, dignity, and sound speech that cannot be condemned so that an opponent may be put to shame, having nothing evil to say about us. Bond servants are to be submissive to their own masters in everything. They are to be well-pleasing, not argumentative, not pilfering, but showing all good faith so that in everything they may adorn the doctrine of God our Savior. Verse 11, for the grace of God bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passage and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from our lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. Declare these things. Exhort, rebuke with all authority, and let no one disregard you. And this is God's word. Let's pray to God, together. <clears throat> Almighty God, what a joy it is for us to center our attention on Jesus and his work, and what a privilege it is for us to be recipients of your goodness. And so, Lord, in this room are old and young men and women alike who are called by you to participate in what you're ultimately doing in this city. And so Lord, would you awaken us to the opportunity that is before us and may we all as a family join in to what you're doing. I pray and ask this in Christ's name, amen. And so if you've been following along in the letter Paul writes to Titus, Titus is a pastor in charge of a very young church in a very unpromising situation. If you read chapter 1, you hear that there are false prophets, there is a spirit of the age, there is a, a work in that city that is actually disrupting families. They are being persuaded by the undercurrent of what's shaping the culture of that day. Titus is on the island called Crete, and if you know anything about Crete, they held that the majority, if you follow Greek mythology, Greek mythology shaped Cretan culture. See, the Cretes, they held that the majority of the gods were born on their island, including their chief god, Zeus. In their minds, Crete was the central place of the worship of these gods. As so you read or heard anything about Zeus, Zeus was a seducer. He loved women. He would personify himself to deceive them and seduce them. He was a liar. He was a womanizer. He would get women any means necessary. And to the Cretes, Zeus was awesome. They immortalized him for this. And so they took pride in his shady character and underhanded ways. Zeus was forming the people of Crete. This is why in Titus chapter one, it is said of the people of Crete that they are liars. They're indulgent, sexually promiscuous people. They're basically following after the one in whose image they're following. And so in our day, perhaps, we too are being formed and fashioned after a false image. In fact, to be a Cretan was known to be a liar. If you wanted to disrespect someone, if you wanted to call someone a liar, you would call them a Cretan. Because everyone knew the people in Crete were terrible people. And so the problem is... That, that the the challenge is Titus is planting a church. He is responsible for the body believers in this region. And so there are people that are following Jesus that are being transformed into Jesus' image. But the people around are being uh, transformed into the image of Zeus, if you will. The people of Crete were literally out of control. And this is where Titus is called to do ministry. So the question we ask this morning is, how will the gospel penetrate a place like Crete? How does the gospel shape a culture? For those of us that are wondering, Lord, how can you transform where I live, where I work, where I play? Lord, how might you invade this area for your sake? In Titus chapter 2, we learn that the means by which the Cretans become Christians is through gospel-fueled, relationships gospel-fueled discipleship if you will that takes place in the context of community so if we want to see our neighborhoods change if we want to see regions transformed by the gospel it's going to happen because of the relationships that exist in community why do i say this paul is addressing titus directly and in titus chapter 2 verse 1 he says, but as for you in other words in contrast to what everybody else is saying titus here is the responsibility that you have joey talked about this last week teach what is in accord with sound doctrine And so last week we looked at the importance of being sound in our doctrine sound in what we understand the scriptures to teach another word for sound is to be healthy and so titus as a pastor has a responsibility to raise up leaders to ensure the health of the body of believers at Crete. And so this teaching that accords with sound doctrine would lead to spiritual and emotional health. Titus is to lead his people to a healthy life, and so Paul gives instructions that i like to share with you on what it might look like for us to embody sound doctrine, to live it out, and to be healthy. And he talks about different categories of people, older men, older women, younger women, younger men, He talks about bond service. Now, I shared with the first gathering that one of the things that challenges me as I unpack this passage is eye contact. Because I can get myself in trouble. If I start talking about older women, I'm just going to look up. (laughs) Unless I look at the wrong person and they perceive that I'm calling them old. Or I might just close my eyes. But here's what we must just, just grab with all our hearts. Oftentimes we think that the ministry, the important people of ministry are the people that are on the stage, the people that open the Bible, the people that sing. Well, Paul invites us to see, no, everybody's important to the work of God's kingdom. Whether you're old or you're young, man-oven, all of us have a part to play. And so Paul begins to list out what sound doctrine embodied looks like and he begins with older men. He says older men are to be sober minded, dignified, or respected, self controlled, sound in faith, in love, and in steadfastness. And so, what is Paul doing? He's unpacking the reality of what happens to men when they age, and, 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 and he's countering that with what the gospel does. Some of us know some old men, right? Just, just close the eyes. And there's a a, a stereotype to some old men that that old men can be grumpy. That there's a temptation to be grumpy or to pick arguments or to be cynical or to be wary of giving themselves any more into service. And that is unhealthy. And so Paul says, teach what accords with sound health. And he first addresses older men. That we must be careful as older men not to allow in our hearts this idea, this attitude, that as we see things taking place, that we ration within ourselves, we reason within ourselves, this won't work. We've tried this before. I don't know why we're even bothering. There's a tendency within the older men to say if only things were like they used to be. Then things would be better. It wasn't like that in my day. And Paul is saying, no, older men, be sober-minded, be level-headed, be dignified, self-controlled, sound in faith and love, and steadfastness. Or another word for steadfastness is perseverance. What he's calling on older men to do is persevere. And so to the old men in this place, don't give up. Now, again, I'm not looking at anyone specific. But we need the older men in this body. We need the older men in society. We need their, their wisdom to be poured out specifically in this passage to younger men. You see, younger men in the church need to learn to follow the example of older people. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Because that's hard to do, isn't it? As a, uh, people that are young, you look at older people, and you're like, they don't know what they're talking about. But there is wisdom within the body of Christ and what God is doing with our older men. So he says, younger men, seek out older men. And he's saying to the older men that, that, that we need to live in such a way that younger men look at older men and think, I want to be like them. And so if you're an older man in our midst, look at Paul's encouragement to you as it relates to sound doctrine and, 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 and his encouragement to Titus to teach what is in core with sound doctrine. He says, older men, you have a part to play in this. Not just the people up front, but even all of us. And so older men, you have a part to play. And not only the older men have a part to play, he says, the older women have a part to play. And this that's where I need to be extra careful, so I'm just going to look down at my paper. If you're an older woman in this place, there's an encouragement, there's an opportunity, there's a resource that exists that I would say oftentimes churches don't tap into. Perhaps one of the most uh, uh, neglected area of ministry, the most neglected area of appreciation is the older women in our midst. And so Paul says to Titus, to the older women, that they are to be reverent in behavior, not slanderers or slaves to much wine. They are to teach what is good, and so they are to train or they are to encourage the younger women. And I've been on this planet for a little bit, so I'm kind of, I I, sometimes I, 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 I'm old, man. And I would say you, you can tell when somebody's old because they tend to gray a little bit. And so by the grace of God, I proudly put on display my grayness. <laughs> yes, I, yes. But, but, but here's what's real as we age. When we age, it can be easy for us to gather with like-minded people and just become critical of what everyone else is doing. It's just easy to look behind us and say, man, those youngsters, they don't know what they're doing. We've been there, done that, and we become gossipers or slanderers. And So Paul says to the older women that they they ought to be reverent in behavior. That is, the the little translation is literally to be fitting for the temple, to be godly women. So so I ask, in in this room, who are the godly women that look up to? And if there's none, then that, that's an opportunity for us to tap into the resources that God provides. Because it's easy, especially in a place like this, if we're older um, and, and we walk into a church like this, we see a lot of youngsters, and we might say, this is not the church for me. It's a, it's a young church. No, this is the church for you. Because you have a gift to bring to the body that Paul says helps as it relates to our health and our soundness concerning the teachings of Scripture. And so Paul says to the older women, instead of complaining perhaps about what is wrong, teach what is good. And friends, that is just sweet. That there is an opportunity for us to look to the women in our midst, the older women in our midst, and let them function in the way God has created them. And, and what are they teaching? Who are they teaching? Titus, uh, Paul says to Titus, that the, the old women are to teach the younger women. To love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled, pure, working at home, kind, submissive to their own husbands. How's that that passage make you feel? (laughs) I was like, man, they give me the just fun passages. (laughs) Because some of us read that and we're like, I don't like that. I don't, I don't like the idea of uh, uh, of what he's saying. I, I like the idea, maybe. I, I like the idea of self-control. But when he starts talking about loving their husbands and children, that, that makes sense. But what's this thing about working at home? What's the thing about submissive to their own husbands? you got to understand what is taking place at Crete. Titus chapter 1, they're false prophets. They're outdoing their thing. And the Bible says they are upsetting families. They're disrupting families. They're tearing families apart. There's an author by the name of Bruce Winter. He's written a book called Roman Wives, Roman Widows. And he talks about the phenomenon taking place in this day of the Roman women. That there was this liberation a uh, liberation movement. The women say, you know, I don't need the house. I don't need a man. I don't need any of those things. I'm going to do my own thing. And these false teachings, the spirit of the age, the spiritual entities at work in that manner are tearing up households whereby which it would seem bad to do the things Paul laid out. But I dare say, not only is it a problem in Crete, it may be a problem today that we miss the beauty of it. And again, when you read it, Paul is not saying that younger women cannot have a career. It's not what he's saying. But he's saying that if you are a wife or a mother, that the home life should not be overlooked. And when we talk about this notion of being submissive to your own husband, it's not to demean or take away your authority. I was talking about talking to Noah today. Uh, Noah, you've been married how long? A year and a half. half. So he's an expert on marriage, right? (laughs) So he was saying, man, he, he just knows it wouldn't make sense for him to be a, a dictator in that house. But when you have in an organization two people and a decision needs to be made, someone has to submit. So submission simply means submit leadership to the will of someone else. And so Paul is saying there's nothing wrong with that. But he's fighting a culture that says it is wrong for that. But, but, but look who's doing the teaching. It's the older women. It's the older women that are coming in to share and and i think that's what we're losing today right we we, and nothing wrong like don't stop come to church hear people preach i like that that's 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 good but but there's just certain things i can't help you with as a man the burdens you might face as a as a a, a married woman i look at sandra and just wonder why she kind of puts up with me right So she needs to talk to, because there are seasons in life where it's just like, man, this is difficult. And Paul says the best, if you're a woman, the best person for you to talk to is an older woman. So he addresses older men. He lists out several characteristics of the older men. He talks about the older women, and he lists out several characteristics of the older women. And then he talks about the young women, and he lists out several characteristics of the young women. And then he gets to the young men, and he just says one thing. What do we need to be mindful as as young men? What does he say? Self-control, that's it, we don't even talk about anything else. <laughs> if you're a young man, that's your issue. That's what he said. self-control, older men, dignified, respectful, older women, reverent, younger women, young men, self-control. And I, I would dare say that, that's a gauge for whether or not we're maturing properly. If we are a young person and we're supposed to be an older person and have not made that the, the transition, it's because we just lack self-control. But again, who's the one that can help you with that older men That's what's teaching in accord with sound doctrine. And so his admonition the younger men does cover the temptations young men face. Lust, ambition, impatience, all of these require a response of self-control. And so in Paul, laying out the framework of family, of the opportunity we have to be healthy and sound doctrine. He addresses the older men, the older women, the younger men, the younger women. And what's fascinating is the undercurrent of all these admonitions is self-control. Older men, younger women, younger men are all to be self-controlled. Teach older men to be self-controlled, he said. Urge the younger women to be self only Encourage the young men to be self-controlled. Why do they need to uh, 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 be self-controlled? Because you got to remember the spirit of the age, Zeus, is at work and they are out of control in Crete and they are falling victim to this God Zeus. Friends, maybe we're doing the same thing. And so you wanna know what idol you're bowing down to? Pay attention to where you lack self control. Wherever you lack self control, there is something at work that is holding you in bondage. And so God's answer is the family. It's a body of believers, older men, older women, younger men, younger women, and the context for this gospel-fueled discipleship is community. Paul paints a picture of a community in which people are discipling one another. When we talk about discipleship, it's not solely reading books about discipleship, but it's everyday life with others. We may want to gather with other believers and we may want to meet to study the scriptures and that is right to do. We may pray together, that is right to do. But we also need to be sharing our lives so that the older in the midst can pour into the younger in the midst so that young believers can see older believers modeling life. And older believers have the opportunity to shape the lives of That's why it's important when we talk about community that is happening across generations. And what does Paul paint? He paints a picture of older men and older women teaching younger men and younger women. He paints a picture of younger people seeking out the advice of older people. He paints a picture of older people setting an example to the young and younger people submitting to the direction of older people. As such, how many in here would say, I'm an older man? Raise your hand. All right, be be proud, I'm an older man. Yes, all the gray-haired, just I know I'm old, I'm old and I'm proud. He says, if you're old, if you're older, find someone younger and disciple them. Wait, that's the appeal. If you're older, find someone younger and disciple them. Now, if you're young, raise your hand if you say, I don't know about that old stuff. I'm young. So who are my youngsters? June, we got to talk about that, huh? (laughs) Just just for uh, clarification, uh, when you start getting into the scriptures after 30, you're like old, okay? I hate to break it to you. So if you've hit 30, uh, yeah, you, you, might be raising, you might be raising your hand in the wrong c- c- uh, category. But if you're young, find someone to disciple you. And again, I'm not saying don't have peer-to-peer relationships. I think it's important that we, we model what it looks like to look to the old and the old to look to the young and pour into each, each other. So if you're, if you're young, find someone to disciple you. And maybe you're here and you consider yourself somewhere in between. I'm not old and I'm not young. Good news. Do both. (laughs) Pour into someone and allow someone to pour into you. Friends, pastors can only, elders can only do so much. But there are people sitting in your vicinity. There's opportunities in this room for you to meet someone if you're older, just share your journey to, to see the past. And there's a stories in this room that I'm not equipped to be able to help you, but there are older men and there are older uh, women in this mix that are equipped to do that. Well, I think it's necessary because in our culture, older people tend to be irrelevant. Right? We kind of, Push them off to the side. They don't know what they're talking about. That your, your day is far gone. Old people like kids. Hint hint. Don't like to listen to older people, right? <laughs> we, we don't like listening to older people. We think they don't know what they're talking about. And, and even as adults, we still can. That that, that that old man, that old woman, they don't know what they're talking about. And there are some things that are the older generation may not be about, as as as. As um, expert, an expert in, right? Like I talk to my dad, sometimes he, he fascinates me. You, you ask, you know, when his birth, when he was born, he says he was born 1937 BC. <laughs> and my dad he talked to him, he's, he's 85 years old, he says he's born, oh, I think he's 85, whatever. Yeah, the math. 1937 BC. I'm like, Dad, what are you talking about? You weren't born BC. He says, Yes, I was. I was born before computers. Yeah. Touche. So texting may not be the means by which me and my dad are going to communicate, but what opportunities do we lose in neglecting the old or the old neglecting the young? Friends, there's just a gift. Again, it's not necessarily teaching the scriptures. We talked about that last week, and there are people that are equipped to teach the scriptures. What I'm talking about is us sharing life with one another. Like I remember uh, 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 when we did premarital counseling, the, the best premarital counselor would just come to our house and watch how we do it, right? Because people say, "Oh, when you, you know, when you're married, you know, don't fight, just you know, do this." I'm like, "No, bring me to your house when you're fighting, so I can see how y'all do it." That's discipleship. When, when, I'm, when I'm struggling with how to do A, B, and C, like, let me just invite you into my life so you can see how I navigate my problems. That, that, that's what Paul is painting a picture. And what an opportunity here we have more rationally to come together and to pour into each other. And so Paul says, older men do this. Younger men do this. older women do this. Younger women do this. But friends, if all we do is re- reiterate those commands, do, do, do it can become burdensome. If I say be self-controlled, you might say, I'm trying, I'm trying hard. Deep down on the inside, that's not good news to be told, be self-controlled. It could be condemning news. And here's what I know. The older we are, the more scars we have, the more wounds, and so the idea of me pouring into someone else is daunting because who am I to share anything? I have nothing but mistakes in my life. I have nothing but pain. I have nothing to share. I barely have it together myself, and you want me to pour into someone else? How in the world can I pour into someone else? Titus 2, verse 11. The grace of God has appeared. Friends, the means by which we can have these gospel-fueled relationships, the means by which the older can pour into the young and the young can receive from the old is grace. If we want people to actually live healthy according to this passage, Paul says the emphasis on the good you need to do, the emphasis is on the good God has done. The grace of God has appeared. See, when there's commands in Scripture, it's always rooted in God's grace. Because the reality is you can't do it on your own. You can't pour into others in your own power, in your own strength, with your own genius or ability. It's God's grace. And friends, Jesus is God's grace manifest. And what did Jesus do? Titus 2 says, Jesus gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness, to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. Friends, Jesus gave up his life to give us life. And because now we have his life by grace, we can share that life with others. That's the community Christ is forming, and that's our desire for us here at Downtown Hope and beyond, pour into others. If you're old, find someone young, if you're young, find someone else. So, so let's do that. Like, pray about it. Maybe, maybe there's someone that the Lord has already laid on your heart. Give them a call. Tap them on the shoulder. Say, I don't know you, but I feel like the Lord is drumming. me. I'd love to grab a cup of coffee. I'd love to grab a drink with you. Let's get together and let's see how God cultivates these gospel-fueled disciples, gospel-fueled relationships, and in so doing, transform the city we live in and beyond. I'd like the worship team back up. And I want to just give us pause to pray and consider who it is the Lord might be calling us to pour into, or who we might reach out to for these deciphering relationships. And as we pray, uh, maybe the Lord needs to just help you manage your time well. I know that's my problem. It's always too busy. So Lord, help us discern what's best next. And so, Lord, we uh, look to you this morning, grateful for the family you're forming in Christ, thankful that we are all part or can be part in Christ, and that we all have value before you, whether we're old or young, men, male or female. Lord, we all have value and worth in your eyes, and as such, Lord, you've gifted us with the opportunity to cultivate lives that are in accord or in harmony with sound doctrine. And so, Lord, may the truth of your word, may the power of your grace motivate us to be friendly to each other, to pour out into others and to be poured into. And the means by, this, by all of this, the means by which these things happen is through the gift of Christ who gave himself for us. I'm so for each person here, would you um, encourage us in this, Lord, especially if we feel like we have nothing to give, that our life is a failure, Lord. May you show us that by his stripes, that by the stripes of Christ, we are healed, we are made whole, that he gave himself for us to make us his possession. So we are valuable in your eyes. We are a gift to the body and a benefit to you, Lord. We praise you, Lord. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.